This is the Empowered Educational Conversations with Elena Christina podcast. We are two educators who have worked in over seven different school districts and want to see change. We are here for our school leaders who have the desire to implement radical changes to fight the destructive nature of racism and injustice. This is a safe space for passionate school leaders and aspiring school leaders to listen in as we voice our concerns, laugh at our mistakes, and strategize ways to overcome adversity as educators, all while keeping it real. Join us as we share our experience along with other important voices in the field. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Aline and Christina, where we seek to build community and support one another in this work. While you're there, share this with a friend and colleague and rate and review this podcast so we could get this to even more school leaders who want to do this work. All right, let's get to this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Educational Conversations podcast with Alina and Christina, episode 52. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. I've been in education for 17 years as a former school counselor and high school assistant principal. I currently coach K-12 school leaders in revolutionizing the K-12 public school system. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. This is my 18th year in education. I was a former high school English teacher, former assistant principal, co-principal, and site-level admin program specialist. I'm currently a teacher coach at a K-12 school district and a K-12 co-school leadership coach with my homie and business partner, Aline, right here in the Bay Area. Hey, y'all. So before we get into our episode, let's do our check-in. Christina, what's been going on with you? Oh, man, I I feel like I've said this at least four or five times already, but um, I'm a little bit under the weather. And it's because my baby was sick last week. He is doing much better. But as he gets better, I get a little bit. Of, I, I get sick. So, and I do not have COVID. Yeah. Just um, a little dry throat, a little coughing, maybe sneeze, sneezing here and there. But I, I feel like this is just what happens now. Because I just know that you're always sick, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So how are you doing, Aline? Well, I'm sure you said that because that's also my (laughs) (laughs) check-in. It's so funny. Um, Yeah, my my toddler got sick uh, yesterday. Wait, what day is it? (laughs) No, he got sick over the weekend. And... um, and I'm starting to feel it now too, but I also think it's just a combination of things because obviously, like this is the thing, like when your child gets sick, their sleep is horrible, right? And so then yes. you're not sleeping because you're like checking or going into the room or like, you know, taking temperature or giving more medicine. And so then you're not sleeping. So it's like, it's a combination of things like I don't think it's just the germs that is being passed around but it's also you know your immune system takes a hit because your energy takes a hit because you're not sleeping well so that's 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 the cycle there um and I'm sure many of you can relate but that's just kind of how it's been and you know you just kind of gotta roll with it it's true when I you know your son is older than mine but that's what the the doctor said. It's like, it's, it's, well, for you, it's a little bit different, but like since my, my you know, my toddler's been in, pre, sorry, daycare since he was one. So it's like a monthly thing. Like they're like exposed to germs all the time and just to expect it. So like, great. So that's where we're at. But in this episode, <laughs> Let's listen to a great guest. I think this is just the fun part of our podcast is that we get to talk to some amazing leaders out there in education that often don't get heard or don't have the the platform to to share their experience or stories. So we have another guest on this episode and we'll introduce them right now. 
You want to jump into the episode, Christina? Yes, let's jump into this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So our next guest, uh, I have the pleasure in introducing him. Uh, We both started our admin careers in Oakland Unified School District. So starting back in 2012, 2013, he was an assistant principal at Oakland Tech, and I was an assistant principal at Skyline. I would say... Um, Josue and I, you know, we crossed paths at our monthly secondary assistant principal district meetings if they weren't canceled. Uh, We had a chance to collaborate during the summer of 2014 because we spent an entire week co-designing ninth grade, ninth grade advisory lessons for that entire, for the upcoming school year. And then 2017-18 hit, Josue um, became a co-principal at Tech. I became a co-principal at Skyline. And real talk, that's when our friendship or my friendship with Josue became admin acquaintances to admin homies, admin support system, admin shoulder to bitch and complain to. Our roles and responsibilities as co-principals at, at our each of our school sites were quite similar. We were in charge of a lot of the big ticket items, such as the master scheduling, graduation, senior class, counselors, the budget, weekly, Wednesday PDs, the list goes on. And look, I won't speak on Hostway's behalf, but personally for me, I did not have a good experience as a co-principal. So real talk, Hostway was one of my lifesavers during that trying year. He was caring and understanding. He was super knowledgeable and he was experienced in the areas I needed to bounce ideas off of because I couldn't do so with my co-principal. So with that said, our next guest is Mr. Josue Diaz Jr. After completing his undergrad at CSU Northridge, Josue returned to Northridge to obtain his teaching credential and worked as a substitute teacher in the LA Unified School District. After completing the program and getting married to the love of his life, he moved to San Diego in 2006 and he started his first official teaching position as a middle school science teacher in Barrio Logan. Here he learned and honed in on his skills in community organizing and confronting white supremacy and challenging the proliferation of charter schools under the false guise of, quote, school choice. In 2010, his wife led him back to her hometown with an opportunity to teach at her former high school, Oakland Tech. Oh, dang, I did not know that. Okay. A year later, he accepted the position of the CTE Academy Director of the Green Academy, where he led the curriculum for environmental chemistry and AP environmental science. In 2013, after receiving his master's in education at UC Berkeley through the PLI program, he served as Oakland Tech's assistant principal and then co-principal until 2018. Disillusioned with the inequitable policies and disingenuous anti-racist rhetoric and practices of the district, he relocated back to San Diego to serve as the human resources officer for the high school network in San Diego Unified, supporting over a third of the second largest district in California. His personal and professional experiences continue to fuel his drive to advocate and positively impact communities of color through the public education system. Sheesh, okay. (laughs) With that said, welcome, Josue. Thank you for joining No, no, thank you so much for for the kind words. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so excited to be here. And by the way, congratulations. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys hit like the 50th episode mark for your scene. Yeah, we did. Our last episode was 50. There you go. Congratulations on that, y'all. It's a a journey journey in itself. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. Well, that, that intro was just helpful to kind of set the tone of just the journey you've been on so far and where you're at now but in your words Josue tell us a little bit more about your educational journey you can go as far back as you want to if that's kind of what informed where you're at now or just wherever you feel like this is when I started thinking about education and getting into it like tell us about your educational journey yeah I know thank you um 
yeah well we'll take it right back all the way back to even like kindergarten even um i i really loved school when k through two kind of age group right there i went to a majority black and brown school in the san fernando valley i remember uh, my mom was a clerk at the time so i knew everyone at the school the administrators the teachers mm-hmm. i had friends i was part of it. i remember the the uh, talent shows we used to put on it was great i used to love that and i have so many fond memories of that school um it wasn't until like i was tested for being gifted um that my mom said you know what what's best for you you know we're gonna switch you you're gonna go to another school across town so i was bused to a magnet school and that is kind of where i didn't realize until i was an adult um where everything shifted for me you know starting third grade in a predominantly white school i was only like one of two mm-hmm. students of color at the time and that where I used to be very like supported and just uh, be part of the group now to where people making fun of me because of my clothes and my accent and you know why do you kiss your dad and mom goodbye in the morning like it was just very very different and I never really escaped that even all the way up through like middle school um, I was like, socially promoted in middle school like I was smart I all the teachers would tell my mom like you were smart you're a genius you're awesome but we don't know why you're not getting the grades amazing instructors and they're great i have a lot of memories of them but my grades didn't reflect that um but yeah it, it just kind of was one of those things it was like a love-hate relationship with school i just never really mm. fit in especially in the gifted uh programs mm. um in high school i remember like i used to try to escape and tell my counselors like okay i'll do the humanities but all these other classes can i please have these other classes with the like at the time it was like residential students they were called um in my high school and just because i wanted to be around folks that understood me and work for my community mm-hmm. as well um so you know I, I had this love-hate thing I always wanted to be a, a mechanical engineer I wanted I was a car guy as a kid um and I was like the whole thing right my immigrant parents said like, you got to be the three things right one of the three things lawyers engineers doctors um so I chose engineering um mm-hmm. and you know so I applied I remember like I just barely graduated high school um I got enough grades to apply to Cal State Northridge and got in and even then um, you know, with lack of support and guidance, like I didn't know what financial aid was at the my my freshman year. My mom didn't know. I remember my mom was like, "You gotta, do, you just gotta do something." Like that was that was the whole thing. Like I, we didn't know what we were doing. We just know that you had to just keep going. Um, because my mom didn't. My mom barely graduated high school. Uh, my dad didn't graduate high school. So we it was just all new territory for us, right? We didn't have anyone else to kind of guide us. But I just remember that was just the thing. Like just gotta keep going. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, got into CSUN uh, my first year, had no idea what I was doing because I didn't meet counselors. I just wanted to be an engineer. What do you do as an engineer? You take these funky classes like thermodynamics and this and that. And I was like, I didn't know the difference between upper level mm-hmm. and lower level. Like, so I yeah. go to these classes and what happens? Like I fail, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I get D's and F's. I get dis- like, academically disqualified my first year. Um, and um, that was just shocking. Like that was just insane for me. Um, and again, my parents just in the back of my mind, you just got to find a way, no matter mm-hmm. what, like, you just got to find a way. So I go uh, community college where I finally have some professors of color that kind of started explaining to me, like, yes, you're smart, but this is not completely your fault. Um, these are some skills and these are the things that you need to like, go talk to this counselor that I know at CSUN, go talk to this professor that I know at CSUN. Um, you know, so that really helped me out. So a year later, yeah, I mean, like I applied, reapplied to go back to CSUN and I got in and um it was really interesting at that time because, you know, I was going to school full time. I was working full time because I didn't know what else to do. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Get yeah. a job, pay for yourself, yeah. whatever. Um, and at the time I was working at a school. I was working at an elementary school that my mom was uh, in the office. I, still, as a, I think she was still an office clerk at the time. So I was a bilingual tutor helping the kids uh, pass the cell test. I mean, not cell test, sorry. Uh, passing the bilingual exam so they can get out of the bilingual mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went back to CSUN my second time, I was like, yo, you know what? Engineering is not, not for me, but I think I want to give a shot at education. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of those things because the professors I had at the community college and some professors when I went back to CSUN really had a profound impact on me and just realizing like, you know, we've heard this before. Like, I would love to help the students not go through what I went through right? Um, yeah. and kind of do that. And I know that's, we hear that a lot, which is, it is important and it does mm-hmm. happen. Um, so that was my drive. That was my motivation. Like, I don't want to, I don't want the students to feel alone or not know that they have resources. And if I can be that person for them and be that connector for them, even if it's not me, but connect them to the right people, yeah. then that's what I'll do. 
um, <laughs> my, my parents did not like that, but <laughs> of course, uh, but that's what it was. And they had to accept it. Right. So, um, went back to education, uh, we're sorry, got into education and was like, you know what, I, I need, I need to kind of just grow my own. And, um, it kind of, things just led me down, you know, this one path of just, I will always take uh, an opportunity. So if an opportunity is there, I will take a chance on it because what's the worst that can happen? Just go back to my previous spot. So as a substitute yeah. teacher, I was cool. I was like, I'm happy. I was fine. Um, there was an opportunity in San Diego all of a sudden. Um, and this is, I will blame my wife for me moving to San Diego. I met her in San Diego. I was living in LA at the time. Uh, and, you know, she opened my eyes to a couple of things. And when we got married, she was still uh, graduating from UC San Diego. So I think it was like her junior year or senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved down to San Diego and I got myself a job subbing for a few schools, you know, San Diego Unified, some charter schools here and there because I didn't know a lot, just needed to teach. Um, and I got landed a job at, in Barrio Logan at King Chavez Academies as a sixth grade earth science teacher. And that was like probably the beginning of me uh, understanding what education mm-hmm. means to certain communities, but also uh, community organizing. And that yeah. was like such a big thing at the time. Um, 2006 was like immigration and the ice mm-hmm. raids were happening a lot in San Diego. Um, the students here, it was, it was, it was just probably one of the best times I've ever had mm-hmm. as an, as a teacher, because uh, pros of the charter school thing and, oh my God, they're all going to record this and snip it. And they were like, we're going to blast this. No, there is a lot of innovation, right? There, you're, you have a lot of room for innovation in curriculum. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I had to be resourceful, so I didn't understand funding and, and how to get stuff going, but it was a pretty small school, so I had to be very innovative with trying to get the kids to learn science mm-hmm. um, and, um, and earth science at that, but at the same time, like, I had the opportunity to teach, like, PE and do mm-hmm. other things, so I was, like, I myself was doing capoeira at the time, so I would have capoeira classes yeah. as PE for the students, and you know, it was you could great. do that in a charter school. Because you could do that yeah. in a charter school. Yeah. Credentials, whatever. It's yeah. Fine. Or even that's no. not part of the standards. How are we gonna put that in? Yeah. Exactly. It was great. Yeah. So I mean it was really cool experience to 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 really just like get out there and expand what could be done in a school. And just that's where my yeah. brain was like, here are the rules on how can I expand upon it? Like what what else what are they telling me I can't do? Like nobody mm-hmm. said I can't teach Capoeira as a PE mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. activity and all. So that was um it was good. I spent three years there. Um, the community was great. I, you know, I was getting invited over for dinners all the time. We would have probably like the moms would throw birthday parties for me, which I like, it was, it was just one of those, like, I felt at home places. Yeah. Um, if I just focused in my classroom and my students in my community, um, I was one of eight teachers and the other seven were, were white. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one time I, I got called into a meeting and literally every teacher every white teacher went one by one to tell me what they did not like about me you are teaching the kids this and you are teaching like immigration and this and that like they went one by one and tell them how come i'm telling the students like you know we're talking science but at the same time we're talking about environmental racism Mm -hmm. why is it that la jolla a rich community over here Mm -hmm. has this but barrio logan doesn't you know so just because i was telling them we're teaching the differences of stuff um yeah, it was it was brutal. Like that last year there was was really brutal, um, which really got me into learning more about, you know, just even well, we say like ethnic studies, but just more community organizing mm-hmm. and what is structural racism. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was studying at UC San Diego. She was studying ethnic studies at the time. So she was getting all this stuff and I was just getting like, oh, man, I was getting armed with vocabulary and everything. So I yeah. was pretty good. Um, but it was it was tough. And and I saw the downsides of also charter schools at the time where, you know, they burn you out. Like, you know, yes, I, I was a science teacher and I was a capoeira teacher who did events on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I also threw the movie nights every two weeks, you know, for the community. I, we did uh, fun stuff, but bur- I mean, good stuff, but it burns you out at times, yeah. which kind of just, that kind of just shot me to like public school. And I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I need to go back to where there's, there's unions, there's rules. Mm-hmm. I can kind of mm-hmm. balance this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I ended up going to a local school, uh, Lincoln High School Social for Center, uh, the Center for Social Justice, mm-hmm. which was a ninth grade program through the academies that, you know, all through the state of California that happened, um, which now like what allowed me to bridge this community organizing and ethnic studies curriculum into science and be supported in that. Yeah. So my curriculum was like, yo, it was strong. It was great. I was innovative with things. 
Um, I was there for one year, but I still talked to a lot of the students that I had, you know, at, in, in 2009. Um, so it was just great times there. Um, and as, you know, Christina mentioned in the, in the intro, my wife was a graduate from Oakland Tech High School. She stayed in touch with her assistant principal. Uh, shout out to Mr. Marty Price. Um, he is the reason why I moved to Oakland. Um, he said, hey, man, hey, kid, like, I, um, there's an opening up here in Oakland. You should come. He got me in contact with Sheila Andohar, the principal at Oakland Tech at the time. Um, and due to my wife being undocumented for all this time and we're being mm -hmm. so close to the border, you know, mm -hmm. it was, we had some unsafe situations. Um, we're like, yeah. yeah, let's go to the bank. So yeah. <laughs> we're going out of here. Yeah. So we ended up in Oakland and I got to teach at her former high school. Oh um, which was that's... very yeah it's a trip I used to that hear about these trip. teachers I used to hear about the teachers like oh and miss so-and-so and this is the kind of teacher they were this is the kind of teacher they were and now I'm like I'm in teacher meetings with them and I'm like oh I know a little background from y'all okay mm -hmm. I see how you guys <laughs> operate I know what y'all are about now um so that was just interesting but um Marty Price was a big reason why I went over there and he guided me to just again always just take the opportunity and I learned, like, you know, increasing your sphere of influence. Yeah, especially because you're always thinking about, like, like the community and organizing and also just what students are learning mm -hmm. and trying to find a space where you could use that. You could do that. You could talk about those things and were, would be supported by others or have others doing the same thing where you weren't the odd person out. So I think, right. you know, coming to Oakland Tech or Oakland, like, what was that like? It was it was interesting. I, I learned, um, you know. I learned so much in terms of what is, I, I hate to use this term, like the separate but equal thing. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I saw that that was so prevalent, you know, like everybody in Oakland, when I first got there, it was, I, I remember my first day teaching science at Oakland Tech. And I remember this one girl told me this, you're teaching the dumb class. And I was teaching ninth grade conceptual physics mm -hmm. at the time. And my first day and I was like, Hey, what's up? I come from San Diego. I'm here. First day here, y'all. What, 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 what do y'all know about the school? What am I getting myself into? And they were real. And she said, like, you're teaching them class. Like, and they explained to me mm. in the first hour of me teaching at Oakland Tech, the tracking at Oakland Tech High School yeah. and in Oakland. They're like, well, in middle school, if you took this class, you get these classes in ninth grade, right? You mm -hmm. took um, algebra one and you take conceptual physics. And if you pass that in middle school, or if you pass whatever class in middle school, you take geometry and then you take biology so there was already mm -hmm. tracking in the beginning of ninth grade and I was made aware of that my first hour in your first hour yeah so <laughs> by a student by a student yeah mm -hmm. so I'm like dang y'all like they that's what they already know and this is their first hour as well as a high school student right mm -hmm. so when you were teaching that conceptual physics class were mm -hmm. you in the paideia program were you a paideia teacher no no no, no. um paideia starts and started in the 10th grade um Okay. And so, yeah, they started in the 10th grade. So in ninth grade, it was, they, I had just gotten in with the small schools movement. So they had the little, the, the four yeah, houses at how, the time. That's how you and I connected through Cleo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Through Cleo. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, the small schools thing was great and it was a great foundation for what we would eventually build upon um, when I was an assistant principal over the ninth grade. Uh, but Paideo starts in 10th grade and Paideo was very limiting in terms of which students were even mm -hmm. allowed to apply mm -hmm. they had to have certain prerequisites and that mm -hmm. already screened out the yeah. majority of black and brown students um, okay so i gotta ask because yeah, we've go always been too busy mm -hmm. like so just like quick contextual background like tech like back in our day when aline and i were little youngins right like yeah and students at skyline Students at Skyline. Oh, students at Skyline, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, tech was just not the school to go right. to. Like, Skyline was it. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. feel me? Yeah. And then, like, if it wasn't Skyline, it was, I don't know, Oakland High? I, I have no idea. I, I like, either. yeah. Well, we were just, like, the top school. Mm -hmm. Well, um, fast forward to when we were administrators there. Uh, we were no longer the top school. And like tech was like on the rise mm -hmm. and to this day continues to be on the rise. And as of the past two years, um, 
they are no longer a title one. They don't, they no longer, from my understanding, they no longer receive title one funding. Mm -hmm. Um, that school has the most, uh, white and Asian students. And I want to be very specific with the type of Asian, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not Southeast Asian, but like, okay. Like more like Chinese and Japanese Mm -hmm. and, Right. Um, and so, and I, I feel like that rise at tech really started with the Paideia program. Like, yes, like, and, yes and no. Yeah, right? like, well, uh, school us on that because, yeah, as so former I, I learned a lot. admin, we, we want to know, like, what was, what was in that elixir? Like, let us know what paideia yeah. is like i don't even know what that is i mean i know it's a program but i don't know is it like a underwater basket weaving pathway i have no idea that's what i'm saying like just draw let, let us yeah. so <laughs> oh so paideia is a humanities program uh english and social studies um integrated in blocks right so when you have like mm-hmm. two hour blocks with the same teacher teaching english and social studies yeah. you can Integrate, which is great. Um, it didn't start in 2000. It started even before that. It, start, it was around like decades before we uh, were mm. administrators there, Christina. Um, yeah. And when, when tech was a majority black school, uh, the Pideo program existed and the Pideo program had majority black and brown students in there. My wife was okay. actually a graduate. Oh. This is how I know about Pideo. My wife was a graduate of the Pideo program back in like 99 to two, oh, well, sorry, 2000, 2003. She was there. So I knew about these teachers and I knew about the program before. And at that time, so back when it had first started, it was the, a great idea to say, you know what? No, black and brown students can achieve this level. We're going to push them to that level. Great. Yeah. But like many diverse, pro- diverse successful programs, they become less diverse once the word gets out. Mm-hmm. And mm. there, there was a mm-hmm. big, ah, I forgot what year it was. There was an article written in one of the local magazines in Oakland that talked about the Paideia program. And I want, like, don't call me on this, but I remember the, the gist of it was a private school within a public school. So once folks got wind of yeah. that, of how successful this program was, then there was an influx of applicants, especially like the white upper class or upper middle class parents. They started grouping and like they have their, I know they have their parties. They know they like we should have these teachers and make sure our group of kids go from, uh, see, I forgot what elementary was, but Claremont High School. I think was it, I came around middle school and then goes to Oakland Tech. And then this is the teacher that you should take all the way up. So you have mm-hmm. a lot of students being in the like Paideia program for humanities, but also in engineering for the science and CTE pathways. And that's how they, that's how they stuck together. So they had their own schedule um, all, the, all throughout high school mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. about 150 or so, I want to say, like maybe a little bit more in 10th grade. And then it goes smaller in 11th grade leading down to max 60 students in senior year that has like a three-hour block. Uh, English, um, sorry, AP government. Uh, it was AP government. There was a three-hour block. So I forgot what they did. But anyways, that's why they're so successful. They had a great teacher. The teaching was phenomenal. So I will, I will credit that. The teaching in the Socratic method that they do, mm-hmm. they knew what their mm-hmm. skills were and they honed it in and they were amazing teachers at what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, not a lot of folks can access those teachers yeah and they really you know they stay true thinking like i they washing their hands clean on not doing more for those black and brown students mm-hmm. like hey it's not my fault and i would say like it's not my fault that these kids don't make it to me so they kind of wash their hands in that so when i got there it was already this tension mm-hmm. um because we had the gentrification of oakland tech mm-hmm. happen beginning in the early 2000s and when i got there 2010 it was every yeah. year there was an influx um mm-hmm. And it was just it was just really hard to balance it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear a lot about Paideia, which again, it's a great program and all, but very exclusive. We would ask, yeah. you know, as an administrator, I would ask them like, why don't you teach other teachers? Let's expand it. If your program is so great, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, you can do well with everybody. Like, why can't we expand it? And even that was a challenge in itself. So, um, mm-hmm. little history there. You know, good things and bad things come from it. Um, unfortunately. You know, but I, I got a question. Sorry. Yeah, go for it. No, go for it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> because I've always wanted to know. So, yeah. like, what was, how did students get into the Baiteo program? So, okay, so I get there. I'm a ninth grader. Yeah. I'm in my small learning community. I'm learning about the different pathways y'all have to offer. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, all right, cool. My first choice is paideia. What, what do I, what does little ninth grader Christina need to do? Or so, at least back yeah. in our day, ba yeah, back, it's, it's in, changed. back in uh, 2000, whatever, uh, 17, 18. What, what were the requirements? 18. But I remember, so I know that there was an essay that had to be written. And okay. I believe there had to be recommendations from your teachers as well. Recommendations. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So we, we tried to change the system a couple, my last few years there. Um, and we did make some headway. We did expand it a little bit. We did, we did make it more of like a holistic way of, of entering Paideia. Um, but before that, it was very exclusionary. It was like they really, you really had to prove um, your skill level. You know, you had to have a certain reading level. You had to do this because they, like I said, they read very difficult, uh, difficult mm -hmm. literature um, and went through some really deep themes. So I, I understand like the bar was set high, but they weren't really doing anything to prepare students to kind of meet them there, mm -hmm. which kind of messed up. And, but the requirement level to, to even get in was just pretty tough. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you have a kid who's maybe he's like brilliant in ninth grade and he finally understands to be he wants to be a student and is great at literature and finally discovers it and would do amazing in paideia but unfortunately the kid who had eight years of experience prior to him who understands you know writing and as a journalist right. as a parent and helping them out there's you know that's not taken into account and mm. unfortunately like diversity was not <laughs> was not with uh, a priority i would say for for that program for many years you know what's crazy is that um, I remember when it was like ninth grade, like recruiting time, right? Oh yeah. And like a colleague and I, um, Mari Sol, another administrator at former administrator at Skyline, we would go to our list of um, uh, feeder schools. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not going to say what school this is because I still work for the district, but it, it's definitely a school in the in the Oakland Hills. And I remember <laughs> I would like two years in a row, the front office lady, the, the office manager. When I would pass out the pamphlets and I'm like, um, here's a list of students who um, have listed Skyline as one of their top three high schools. Um, could you please pass on this pamphlet and a sample um, uh, course request sheet to them so that way they could practice before they go online. This lady, this lady didn't even want to touch my paper. Like it, like it had like a disease on it. And she was just like, she had her hands up like this. And she's like, I thought I told you this last year, but I'm looking at the list that you have this year. It's the same story. If these kids don't get into tech, they're going to go to, they're, they're, they're going to either O'Dowd, St. Joe's or Holy Names. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, and you could take Which our private schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. For, our, for our listeners. For, for the listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank bad. you for putting that. Yeah. Yeah, and then she was like, oh, yeah, and, and that one, you could for sure take that one out because that, that student's going to head Royce. Mm -hmm. And that's like the the private school of the private school of the private schools, you know? So I was like, well, could you let the parents decide that? I was like, yeah. please, like, could you please take this? And she said no, um, but me, I just dropped it on her, um, well, on her desk. So and and I did my thing. So it's like, it's, it's, I mean, that's how like it, so let's put it this way in the past decade or so, mm -hmm. the neighborhood kids are going to tech because mm -hmm. back then the neighborhood kids were not going to tech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a question for you. So I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit because it's still about tech because you started teaching there mm -hmm. you're seeing all these things within your first hour a student is breaking it down for you like the real because that's yeah. where, usually where we get it from and so then what kind of like led you into administration I mean I kind of like feel like it's like pulling from all that you've shared so far but yeah. tell us like kind of when did you make that shift like I'm gonna be a school administrator it's funny that's interesting um there were two people that I remember the conversations very clearly um, an opportunity was gonna happen. So there was a, a vice principal at the time by the name of Sean Rake, who was gonna was moving to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I was already kind of you know very involved with my with my academy and we were doing good things. You know, we 
got an AP class started for just for the academy students, which, you know, they say it couldn't be done. I'm like, no, I'm doing it, whatever. Like, that's mm-hmm. what we're going to do. Um, so I had a conversation with him and he, you know, nudged me. He's like, hey, maybe you should think about doing, you know, an administrator. You know, being a CTE director, you already know a little bit about budgets and mm-hmm. you know a little bit about this and that. I'm like, all right, maybe. Um, but also um, uh, my mentor, uh, the assistant principal for my wife, Marty Price, he also, you know, had a talk with me. He's like, hey, I heard, heard Sean Rake might be doing, you know, might be leaving. You know, you should do this. You take an opportunity to, again, increase your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think you can do that. And I'm, again, if I didn't like it, I can always go back to being a teacher. And yeah. I think that was the one thing that I've always you know, really pushed for my students and everybody else is like, why not take an opportunity and just see, see how it's like, you know, you hear stories from it. You hear this. I was a diehard teacher. I was like, I am a teacher for life. I'm, you know, you, that's because that's what yeah, in, the, yeah, in yeah. the trenches and you're all, whatever, all that stuff, right? Oh, that whole the mentality, the, the mm-hmm. hustle mentality of it all. Um, you know, I was like that. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I applied to be in the principal leadership Institute at, at, uh, at Berkeley mm-hmm. and I got in. And I was, I was just it. I was like, you know what? Let me go again. Just check it out for a year and see if I like it. If not, I'll go back. And honestly, the first year, it kind of kind of just fit with my brain at the time. At the time, I'm like, it's just very stru- I was structures and operations. Like, let's get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a great uh, uh, mentor, uh, advisor kind of person as an assistant principal at Tech. Her name was Teresa Williams. And I remember like in the first few months, like she would just all the operations like she had it down and she was veteran administrator already but i remember she would always just tell me like if you can't get these operations like substitutes in the day like make sure your classes are covered make sure they're this and this and that like a checklist of things that just had to be done prior to even learning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like let's like just work at it and that really fit with what i was trying to do as well um and if it was my brain and just understanding like kind of like that like the maslow's hierarchy of needs right like if the kids feel safe, if you got substitutes, if we have coverage, if we have security guards, if everybody's on point, if everybody's like, operations piece is down, okay, now we can really focus on instruction. And yeah. that's the kind of point of view that I have always carried with me from like my first year as an administrator until now mm-hmm. is just really, really been that. Um, so it was kind of a mixture of things of why I went into admin uh, and why I stuck with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of those folks had a lot of, of um, those conversations really helped out in terms of just like the whole thing like why not like what, what what's it what's yeah. it gonna hurt what's it when you could always go back and do something um uh, that you really like and if you like it guess what you took your chance and there you go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so you felt like i mean in a couple of situations you've just had these kind of i don't want to say mentors or just really like people like seeing what you could offer mm-hmm. and like put like kind of giving you that push and saying like yeah. yeah you could do this like think about this and I think that's important too for us to hear because I think a lot of us can kind of go back and relate to like yeah I think someone did tell me that like, I know Christina was that for me when I was like I wasn't sure if I wanted to go being an administrator and leave you know being a counselor and it was like a big kind of back and forth but I think it's important to think about those people and also us, like, who do we see mm-hmm. on our sites or who do we, you know, mm-hmm. want to empower to have these like thoughts around what more can you do? And when you said like in- increase your sphere of influence, because I think that's huge. Um, and a lot of us want to really make some of those changes, which is like, and I'm, this might actually go together. So I kind of want to like see tell us like more about what you're doing now, but also just kind of what led you to leave Oakland and come back to San Diego. Um, and, and, you know, Christina and I talk a lot about just being, you know, being equity focused, but also like thinking about educational justice. Like, like you said, like really thinking about, you know, what we have the capacity to do at our school sites and then even working at the district, like how can we, you know, really push forward that change that we know we need and for our black and brown students, like even like what you brought up with the um, program at, at Tech. So tell us more about that and however you want to start. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off like kind of back at Oakland Tech real quick, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what led me to, mm-hmm. to choose to kind of go come back to San Diego. Um, so, you know, we talk about Paideia, which was a struggle um, at the, just for context as well. The last, uh, I forgot what year it was, 2015, 16, maybe. There was a huge uh, measure that passed in Oakland, the Measure N grant, which really provided a lot, and I mean a lot of funding for school sites to increase um, and put a, a priority on pathways. 
mm-hmm. on career oh, technical right. education pathways. Yeah. Um, we had a superintendent at the time who was probably there for like less than a year, I think. But nonetheless, that was the key focus. And when we were, you know, about that grant, it was like, hey, uh, that's priority. And we got this money and this is priority. So working on master schedules, working on out, getting a big chunk of money of the budget of the school, you know, I, I carry these two values, not values, but I see these things, these two documents as moral documents. And, mm-hmm. and some folks have said, right, like I can look at a master schedule mm-hmm. and I can look at your budget and I can tell you where your values lie as a school. Exactly. exactly. Yes. You know, and that's tough. And mm-hmm. people don't seem to understand that piece. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I was given uh, the the job to say, hey, okay, let's carry this, this, this grant out and increase pathways. But there was something in the middle of the road that's going to prevent us from doing this, which was I can't put pathways as a priority because Paideia ruled the master schedule. They were scheduled first. That three-hour block in senior year, boom, mm-hmm. done. Therefore, those 60 kids now dictated what all these other classes Right, do. right, mm-hmm. right, right. And then it trickles down. Yeah. It trickles down to like my ninth graders who I couldn't even offer retention classes or anything Your else ninth to catch graders, them up. Yeah. yeah, so it really trickles down to the whole thing. So I was told, make it happen. Sure, and at that time, man, I'm like social justice warrior. I hate that phrase, but back then, that's what you thought, right? Like, I'm, like, I'm going to do it. I don't mm-hmm. care. I put my hands to the fire. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause we're learning. You feel me? Like, we're just like, okay, like we're new in this, let's just get it done. And then the more yeah. you do it, the more you realize like, oh shit, like, <laughs> yeah. so I'm like oh, what am I doing here? <laughs> so I think, so in hindsight, it's one of the things everyone will teach you to be a social justice leader and to give mm-hmm. you the vocabulary and, and, and think, and give you that confidence to think that you can change something within your scope of influence or your sphere of influence and, and you really your ego is really fed by that and you really are driven yeah. to do something but what they don't teach you is how to maneuver that politically mm. and what to really like the mind like they don't teach you where the minds are in the minefield they'll mm. prepare you and they think you're invulnerable like go out there and you're like sure i'll i'll get blown up here and there i'll take some hits fine i'm still gonna make it because that's what i'm gonna do but they don't teach you like yeah you're not really gonna survive this if you don't tread carefully and that's kind of what happened. Like, so, you know, I remember this one PTA meeting where I had to propose and I didn't even make a decision. I just said, look, y'all, this is where we're stuck. I can't finish this part of the job in terms of master scheduling my 10th grade students for all like 90% of the school and pathways because this is a master schedule problem. I even presented it as a technical problem, not a moral, racial, nothing. It was just a technical problem. But again these white parents knew what's up and mm-hmm. they knew what was happening and now all of a sudden they built this narrative of well Jose is anti-paideia anti-white and now is this and he's going to destroy everything and that's kind of like yeah. the uh, in a nutshell like that was kind of the narrative that was building for a while once what was my focus is here and it was it was not that I was anti anything it was just my priorities are now pathway students. My priorities is to increase these graduation rates for the kids right. we need it the most and support. But again, like you only have a certain amount of, and I'm sorry, y'all, like something's got to get. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a struggle for me in the last two years there. It was a struggle. I was being told by, by my superiors, get it done. Mm-hmm. I was having trouble with my co-principal who was very timid because politically they didn't want to be as in the forefront as I was. And right. You know, so that even had some tension. You had, uh, and by the way, like Paideo was like 20 something year, third institution, like institutions there, you know, like these folks, they know that they're teaching the almost like kids of the parents that they taught back in the day. Like, so it's a very, like they had a stronghold on that community for a very long time. And politically, I just didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when your bosses are telling you like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and in Oakland at the time, what was it? 2016, that was like the election, right? With Trump. Like he, it was leading up to. Yeah, right? probably. But I was like, I blocked that. Time out. <laughs> because I remember it was it wasn't just the school side. I was like, man, this is like it was nationwide. It was like this whole political climate, right? And people. Oh yeah, being, it was. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you you add all that to it as well, right. and you have these white neoliberal folks who, with black life Black Lives Matter signs on their homes in mm-hmm. in, in Rockridge, mm-hmm. coming to tech telling me that they don't want their kids being mixed with those kind of kids mm-hmm. you know what I mean so it's like it was like it was like the weirdest time for me because I was like 
and it was eye-opening for me also to hear because that was that was the, the piece that kind of I was I became disillusioned with them all I was like I yeah I now when I reflect back I I call them like as long as like hey I'm all I'm all for anti-racism mm-hmm. I'm all for as integration long as. as long as it doesn't affect my kids mm-hmm. chances to go to college mm-hmm. or even with teachers right like hey I, yeah. I will teach any kid as long as I don't have to stay after and help them out and so when I think about Oakland back then, like I, I really have that term ingrained in my mind with all those folks. And, and, you know, they were, they were all about equity. They were all about, you know, equitable practice and they had all the vocabulary because mm-hmm. it was Oakland and that's what they learned everybody there. But in those meetings, yeah, man, there were, there were nasty meetings that I had to like, I felt like I was high out to dry and my superior, my, well, I don't know, my boss at the time was behind it, like not saying a damn thing. And I yeah. pissed off. I pissed off the main Paideia teacher and there were like articles written about me of how I was going to destroy the school. And there were private parties held with private newsletters that I was informed about, like this was happening about how, how they need to get me out. And what really did it for me, honestly, like what I was like, you know what I'm done with all this, at least in this school and what was going on is when my boss told me that I had to go apologize to her. Like I was oh, told. You know, oh my gosh. Sorry. Go ahead. Like, yeah, just, no, it's like, cool. I, no, I mean, like just connecting back to like, yeah, I mean, oftentimes, like, cause I, you know, I have a similar situation of being put in a position that I had to apologize for something, but go ahead. Because it also has like a, this parallel to the, be, to the beginning of your story when you were put in a room by the seven other or six mm-hmm. other teachers. And at least they were telling you to your face that room, but now you're being in a position where people were not saying it's your face, but behind and then making you still have to apologize for your approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry. I was, I, no, no, you're right. I was, I was doing my job and that's how I felt like. I was like, mm-hmm. you guys entrusted me to do this and I'm going to see it through. But now you're telling me that I, we have to stop. I have to take a you know seat back now and now I have to go apologize to these people. But yeah. they're the ones dragging my name through the mud. They're the mm-hmm. ones who are doing all the hit pieces on me. Like, y'all, like, mm-hmm. I'm just doing my job here. Didn't, like, what's going on? And Right. I think that's just kind of where I really was like all the, the hustling and all the whatever you want to call it, that hustle culture that, you know, I was ingrained in before, like all that. What did it amount to? Like I'm burning myself out because I can still do all that. But who's there to get, my, you know, have my back when it when it really comes when time comes when push comes to shove? Like who really has my back in that? And there, there were plenty that, of meetings. That's real. That. That's super real. And I and you know what? I didn't leave Skyline or the, I didn't leave Skyline that last time I was there because of simply that it was, the job was overwhelming. Like I knew the job was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. The main reason why I left was because I was not getting the support. Yeah. Well, the support that you needed. The support that I In some ways I feel like they- yeah, because I feel like sometimes they think they're like, oh, but we are supporting you. We're giving you this money and we're giving you this extra person and we're giving you this. And we're like, you know, answering complaints. But like, it's like, well, no. What yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I need uh, something else. That's not like, what I need. Like, we're giving you this co-partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a co-partner that had zero experience in the secondary world. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's. It, yeah, that was a very, uh, don't get me started. And you know, well, that's I, what you were saying, Christina, right? Like we, we, we really uh, aligned ourselves there mm-hmm. because we were kind of going through similar, similar yes. situations and we're like, yes. wait, we're doing our job. We're supposed to be about it and we're doing it. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, action oriented. Let's get this thing done. But then we're not being supported and we're being told all these other stories. Like it was just very disheartening for us. And at least for yeah. myself, it was just very disheartening. And I was like, then what the heck have y'all been telling me to do with all these years? Like, what was I yeah. supposed to do then? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't sit well with just trying to be like a puppet and mm-hmm. just be like, well, fine. And I'll be principal as long as I don't piss off these group of people, you know, and it was just really sad. And and there was just a lot of things I brought up and I just knew that I, uh, oh my God, I forgot the theorist who read that. Like, you know, once you push back on a system, the system will push back even harder. And I was like, I, I can't, like I, from my yeah. own sanity, I couldn't yeah. do it. It was affecting my relationships with everybody. Uh, like personal relations with everybody I was like I just can't like I I need something so uh, my wife and I uh, we decided to move to San Diego Um, her family had just moved to to Baja California within like an hour of the border and an opportunity arose well actually no not an opportunity arose we started looking for places to live first and I was like I'll find a job no matter what like I'll be whatever I remember that we were at Chop Bar 
<laughs> that's right that's right we were at shop bar and you're like yeah we ended up buying like this this house and we're getting it made. <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh shit that's what that's what's up and then i was like so where are you gonna work and you're like i don't know but um i'm gonna find a job <laughs> and it, yeah it's a, one. <laughs> and it was interesting i mean i it was it was a eye-opening experience for for me because i'm thinking like hey i know all those skills that i have mm-hmm. being at oakland tech and you're not just a principal like it was an open campus of like 2,000 students with two small with two camp uh, campuses mm-hmm. so it was insane uh so i had a lot of skills and i was like i got this i'll get a, i'll mm-hmm. get a job either. yeah yeah um, and honestly like no it was very different san diego I've, mm. I've told people since I got here, it's like five to seven years behind Oakland in the Bay Area politically. Like we're very, we're talking about pronouns finally, like last year, we just started talking about yeah. that and people still have a problem with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so there is, like San Diego was tough. Like I remember my last year years, I was kind of be somewhat rebellious too. So I actually grew out my hair. So I had like really long hair and I had like, I even petted like up to a ponytail event. No kidding. <laughs> Before I left, Brazil, I saw that, you know? But when I came down to San Diego, I knew I had to change my appearance. Like, I had to get wow. my hair. That I knew that there, at the time, I thought San Diego was very conservative still. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they were. Because immediately, as soon as I walked into the room of, like, panels for being principals of certain schools for certain districts, I will guarantee you, at least nine out of ten of them, they somebody had made a comment of how young I look. Yeah. Immediately. You have my resume. You got all this stuff. Yeah. But... And the fact that, like, in Oakland, I was, like, I just learned how to just suit up, right? So I always had, like, nice-ass suits everywhere. And I would come to San Diego, and, like, people would just be coming in, like, jeans and a blazer. And I'm, like, no, nah, I man, like, even now, like, we have a, we had an operations meeting, like, a month ago. And I was still, like, best dressed there. Like, this, like, turquoise suit. And everybody's, like, damn, dude. I'm, like, why, why are you wearing flip-flops, dude? It's, like, you're, in, you're a principal. Like, what? I know it's San Diego, man, but can you at least? Ah, whatever. Don't get me started on Crocs and cargo shorts. That's a whole different podcast. All right. But I just but, bought a first pair of Crocs. Oh, oh. we don't. Oh, okay. Sorry, that's a, so, that's a separate yeah. thing. No. So, where, <laughs> so, wait. So, when you get to San Diego, are you in the job now that you got when you moved over there? Or, like, I am. It's like, what um, are you doing now? Like, tell us about that. Yeah. Um. So, on my 10th interview, uh, <laughs> I remember the period. It was on my tenth interview. I, I interviewed for this job. It was a human resources officer mm. uh, for San Diego Unified. They um, being a K through twelve district, um, hundred thousand students. Um, they didn't necessarily. They've always had like areas, different areas geographically to mm-hmm. kind of have area superintendents. Mm-hmm. Um, but in two thousand eighteen, they having like a high school network. High school principals. They were finally being heard and said. Yeah, you can't treat high schools the same like elementary and middle schools. Funding, mm-hmm. just problems are very different. Mm-hmm. So they created a high school network with their own like area superintendent, um, and they needed they want they were looking for a high uh, human resources officer with some high school experience. And I was like, great. Um, I think what really did it for me was my director, my my director who I, uh, I think she's like a year she was a year younger than me, and I was like, oh, it's the first time that nobody's even saying anything about like how young I look. <laughs> like somebody actually complimented like my suit and I was like run somewhat of maybe it's a generational thing I don't know but whatever it is I landed in this role um I, my uh, high school experience I've been in this role for four years uh, it supports approximately 30 uh, school sites uh, varying from our largest school it had like over 3,000 students so I handle the high schools atypical alternative sites um, like 6 to 12 music program all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. I am the point of contact on operations, I would say for a lot of for the, the lot of principals, if they have union issues, labor issues, a lot of things like they will contact me and um, and ask me for support and writing people up, or if they can or not discipline, like you name it, runs the gamut on all that. Yeah, um, but it's been you know it, it, it's interesting. Uh, I I only applied for it honestly because I was like I'm so tired of the principal stuff because they're not giving it to me because of the way I look. Yeah. Um, but maybe I should learn about the system of San Diego and just get the culture and get it, get aware of it. And, and then if I want to, again, mm-hmm. take an opportunity, I could always go back to the school site. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, like, so now I'm in this job where, and I'll say this, even my, my bosses are listening, like nobody wants my job. Like I've offered, I've offered my colleagues who have like my other HR officers in their areas. Um, I'm like, hey, I think wait, it's my fourth year, so it's up to four thousand dollars. I'm like, hey, I'll give you four thousand dollars to switch areas with me for one year. I like, I'll take the high schools back, and they're like, nope, 
nobody wants my job here because they think high schools are insane mm. uh, but in all like it's a, it's a lot more but if you are efficient and you learn about operations it's it's actually it's it's been pretty pretty rewarding job in some ways now you're able to offer that support that you you know maybe didn't get as in yes. some ways to the principals right. at the high school level because you're in a position where you're like well, I could tell you these things, especially if they have issues around, you know, complaints or write-ups mm-hmm. or, you know, in the HR area, you're just like, well, let me tell you something. Like, let me give yeah. you what you need and walk you through this. Cause I feel yes. like sometimes like, you know, it's the assumption that what well, you're supposed to know, as opposed to like, yeah. this can be hard every single time. So let me support that. It's true. And yeah, thank you for even highlighting that. I, I work with over 30 uh, principals and even their assistant principals. And it's been very interesting on seeing their development and mm-hmm. where their stages are at. And sometimes I've even told some of the, like the first year ones, I'm like, Hey man, check your ego, dude. There's nothing about it. Like yeah. ask for help. You don't know what you're doing. I know mm-hmm. you don't know what you're yeah. doing. Like just stop. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. like stop like using the freaking thesaurus to write stuff. Like it's okay. Like text me. Like it's just stop. <laughs> Breathe. Just breathe and we're going to, I got you and it's fine. Let me explain it to you this way. And they're mm-hmm. totally fine. Um, so it's been really helpful to see just the, the spectrum of folks um, in, like in their development as administrators. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also been interesting on how administrators think of themselves over the last few years. I remember like mm. I was always an operations person first. Again, like that for me, it was like the, the hierarchy of needs, right? School clean, school safety, kids can then learn, right? Like that's, let's mm-hmm. handle that. Um, but it's, I've just also noticed in the background now, like where instructional, well, there's like instructional leaders, like their focus is on instruction and they don't bother so much with understanding the operations piece because they'll dump it to their office manager, classifies mm. or whoever else. And they have a tough time balancing everything out. And they're always like, I don't know why I can't get into classrooms. I'm always bogged down with safety. I'm always bogged down with this. And they're always reacting. We're always reacting. And I always tell them like, hey, dude, you need to take a, like, a deep breath. That's like, interesting, yeah prevent this stuff like this is how you get into rooms by making sure this stuff or your operations pieces is set if there's Mm -hmm. a problem teach your office staff how to at least calm it down for 30 minutes while you check out a class like these are things that i've been able to kind Mm -hmm. of get into but i really i really just stay in my lane Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm like i don't get me to instruction i don't want to do this stuff it ain't my job you got area (laughs) soups for that you guys do all this stuff again remember like i'm not part of that hustle culture no more i know my boundaries i know my stuff so here, here we are but I, I do try to at least help them out and, and point them in the right direction uh, so they don't, so that they don't burn out. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's well, a good I mean, segue. Yes, I know. The You just said burnout. And so- And hustle culture. culture. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and boundaries. And boundaries, yes. So you're, you're saying like a lot of our hashtag words there or buzzwords. Um, so like Josue, like with all that you just said, like there you have to take care of yourself so what's what's your form of self-care I like your favorite form my favorite form oh man there's a lot um so for folks who know me like I am uh was like a renaissance man I am all I'm out there I do a lot of different things um I think my favorite when I say the most impactful Mm -hmm. Mm because I I, that was the through line is I did a yoga teacher training Mm -hmm. um a few years ago um I was, you know, taking yoga and meditating for a little bit. And I was like, I want to know a little bit more about it to be a little bit more self-aware. So I did the whole two hour, 200 hour yoga teacher training uh, program here in San Diego. And it really gave me the vocabulary and skills to do a couple of things. One is like, be aware in the moment, like, be, like being just self-aware and understanding how I'm reacting to something. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody says something or even when my name is said in the meeting, I used to perk up. I'm like, wait, what did they say? And I'm already, on, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but understand is like, okay, what do they, what do they mean? And just, okay, fine, whatever. It's my problem or it's not. Let me see how I can figure that out. Um, and that's really helped out a lot, especially with like the political nature of a central office administrators. Mm-hmm. Like I get so upset on our educational system, like um, on a daily basis at work and people make boneheaded decisions. Again, just because you got these titles don't mean, you know, just because you got a title doesn't mean you're a good leader anyway. So mm-hmm. they're and people are making like hella cash off of kids and they're doing all this stuff and they don't know what they're doing. I'm mm-hmm. plain and simple. They don't know what they're doing. And it can get very frustrating. But yeah. again, it's just like taking a step back and like this is where I this is right. I can't impact that. Like I I can't be part of that. Mm-hmm. So I just gotta go take care of myself. Um 
so the yoga teacher training thing has definitely been helpful for me to actually expand and do other things so like yeah on a weekly basis you'll see me like oh, i will bike the bay so it's like a little 25 mile loop here in san diego bay wow. that you know be biking everywhere uh, i bought a classic car a year a year ago so i just be you know taking an engine apart fixing it detailing well, what, that what, what kind of classic car oh yeah um i got a 1962 nova convertible Dang. so it's uh i like novas everybody has a nova story it's great man. like i all the car guys i got my first nova this or that and you know it's they only had a convertible in 62 63 i was able to find this one wow. in la and honestly like, you'll find me on the weekends like on car meetups and just talking to that's people awesome back to my mechanical engineering roots yeah. I, I told my you dad i'm not an engineer circle. but i got yourself a classic car full <laughs> circle dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah my dad my dad's like okay he's like i get it you're 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 comfortable you're safe now and I, and I think that was the thing of like with the immigrant parents like what well, you need to be doctor lawyer engineer um because all in all they just want to make sure that you're yeah. that you're able to take care of yourself and mm -hmm. my dad was able to see that after all these years and even bought the classic car and i'm like yeah you like to cruise in this car now man like what the heck so <laughs> um it's it's been cool uh, the classic car thing the yoga my wife and i still go out dancing and, and go check out new restaurants everywhere um and just you know you'll find me just doing whatever dang project i'm into now like during the pandemic i became like a mixologist at home i'm like i think we all did right like <laughs> my bar yeah, bar is pretty expensive though man like I, my wife's like a huge like gin calls herself a gin intellectual she has oh, nice. I, 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 okay. i'm a gin person too You're all right i'll connect you to christina yeah she's <laughs> she knows her gin for sure um but yeah awesome. so we get into a lot of different hobbies to kind of just wind it down and just you know again that's great yeah my life is my life it's good but mm -hmm. i can't overextend myself so much in that for sure thank you so Josue, we want to wrap this up with our last question. We love asking our guests this question. So um, what is that one song that gets that gets you up the gets you up the hill? So symbolically. So I want you to remember <laughs> when you know like yeah. you're about to face something at tech, like the like parents knocking on your door, whatever, a picket sign something because they're mad at what you're about to do with the master schedule what's that one song you're like i this will hype me up so i could just so i could just go there and not call frontline and say that i'm calling up sick what what's that one song uh at tech i you know clearly it was actually or just in general <laughs> in, oh no you're right when you said tech i was like oh i remember that one song i used to play all the time okay go uh, ahead. Still, still yeah bad. that's fine that was a down rodeo by rage against the machine uh, <laughs> and that line that always just tell me like you know these people ain't seen a brown man brown skinned man since their grandparents bought one and i was just like yeah that's deep mm -hmm. i'm just like holy crap like because it, it, it was on a mission like just remember where i'm at like as friendly as what they may seem like holy crap they're just their eyes are just bugging because of everything i'm going to say right now so that that was like yeah going to battle kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of jam um lately though it has been um uh, come down by anderson park you know drumming beats i again just love the love the music style but just just chilling and relaxing and just um still a beat that gets me just happy and i think that's a big difference of like um how i can contribute to mm -hmm. education and the, all the all the people i support now and what i was doing at tech before i was like i got a battle for this and i just think that i i wouldn't be able to support folks if i was you know if i left education or do anything else so i i, I try yeah. to still stay upbeat and just be positive for folks because i know what they're going through mm -hmm. um they're probably going through stuff similar to situations that i went through at tech and um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah man just can't hate it. i just i just got now i kind of just want to be that supportive role for folks and just like yeah whatever you need i kind of been through it i've been working in school mm -hmm. since oh crap i'm dating myself 99 i've been working <laughs> since schools and you know long time but um hopefully i can lend some kind of advice or support for folks out there yeah well, thank you so much for being on this. I think like even yeah, just what you shared throughout this podcast is going to support so many school leaders out there as well. Because I just think that right now there's so many of us that are experiencing different, I don't know, it's different right now in schools. And so I think like, you know, there's a lot of, of educators out there that just need to hear these types of stories, but specifically our school leaders. So I just thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah, no problem. If you guys want like the happy hour version, like we can do that at a separate time. Like <laughs> names included, we go all out. It's fine. 
<laughs> for sure. Thank you, Josue. Uh, good to see you, Josue. Likewise, Christina. Lee, nice to meet you. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alina Christina. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.